15 million. That's a pretty big number. One, seven, zero, 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 zero. Six zeros. That's an incredible amount. And that's how many people have filed for unemployment since this pandemic has started, since coronavirus has hit the scene. 17 million people are, are out of work, unemployed. Now, some of those, granted, are, are two-week self-quarantines. Some of them are out of work, but will be going back to work in just uh, another week or two. And then some are out of work completely. Now, the thing about these who are unemployed, they have started to receive some benefits. They've received their unemployment, but of course we all know that that unemployment is not the same as their full paycheck. So they struggle. So the government kicked in the CARES Act. So now they're getting their unemployment, plus they're getting an extra $600. And so what that means for some is that there are some people who are making $600 plus their unemployment, um, which equals more than their pay than if they were to work. That means that they are at home, not by their own choice, but they are at home and they're making more money than somebody who is at work. They're making more money than somebody who's putting in 40 hours. Now, that doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair to you and it doesn't seem fair to me. And you know, the person who's receiving that, they know it's not fair, but they're benefiting greatly and so why not? You know what else is unfair? Is that there are some people who genuinely need the unemployment benefits that are not able to get the unemployment benefits. That's not fair. You know what else is not fair? It's not fair that every day you and I, we roll out of bed, our feet hit the floor running, and every day we are faced with a battle, a daily battle. And it's not just against an enemy, it's against three enemies. We'll label these enemies the, the world, um, the flesh and the devil. And the thing about these three enemies is that they don't fight fair. I mean, it's ridiculous. They have a tendency to gang up on you and they gang up on you when you are at your most vulnerable. Maybe you've had a bad night's sleep. Maybe you're hungry. Maybe you had a hard day at work. You know, these enemies, they, they attack you when they know they can get you down and keep you down. These enemies will attack you when you are at your weakest. And when we're at our weakest, you know what we don't want to do? We don't want to fight. And so rather than fight, we just give up and we give in. And we do that just because it's easier. So it's necessary that we are reminded daily of what our goal is in this life. And our goal is to become more like Christ, to be transformed into the image of Christ. And we become more like Christ. We conform to the image of Christ by um, doing what is good and right in the sight of the Lord. And by setting out to accomplish everything that he calls us to do. Jesus, two times, he says it like this. He says that we're supposed to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your soul. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That word seek, it's the same word that's used in Luke 19.10, where it says that Jesus come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
Seek in the Greek is an interesting word. I love it. Because it doesn't mean to just to just look around and to glance around and to observe. What it means is to diligently, earnestly, tenaciously search for something until that object is found. Isn't that great? And when it's so when it's talking about Jesus, he doesn't give up on us. He searches, he seeks, he earnestly, diligently seeks us out. So he tells us in Matthew 6, 33, to seek first the kingdom of God. And seeking the kingdom of God is persistent work. And notice the emphasis that Jesus places on seeking the kingdom. He says to seek it first. So we don't seek the kingdom in a series of steps, but rather we seek first as a matter of priority. I mean, that's our priority above everything else. That is the number one thing in life that we ought to be doing as Christians is seeking first to live life in obedience to the word of God. But let's remember our struggle. We struggle with the world. We struggle with the flesh. We struggle with the devil. How do we live a life of obedience to the word of God? It happens by disciplining yourself regularly. It happens by engaging in the habits that we've been talking about these last three weeks. These habits help you lead a lifestyle of obedience. And that's what this channel is all about. It's helping you grow spiritually, helping you grow emotionally, helping you grow relationally, helping you grow professionally. Every day, you can expect, after you subscribe to this channel, you can expect a 10-minute message by 7 a.m. That way you can start your day off right. Not only will you get a seven-minute message, but you'll also get relevant content that is, that is um, related to personal spiritual growth. So if you haven't already done so, let me encourage you, subscribe to this channel, share this channel, and help get this message out to as many people as possible. I mean, I can't do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. So we collaborate and we work together to spread the word. Comment. Leave a, a thought or a sentence that you found helpful. Drop a prayer request. Or maybe you can uh, suggest some special content or subjects that you would like to see or to hear me speak on. Now, as good as these habits are, they're not good enough. I mean, God longs for us to go beyond the basics of gathering information and experiencing transformation. You see, when God penetrates the human heart, it naturally leads to a lifestyle of obedience. In other words, our personal time affects our public time. Our personal time affects our public time. Our time in communion and fellowship with God leads to a lifestyle of obedience. Jesus modeled it perfectly for us. And John said it like this in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6. He said that he who says he abides in him must also walk just as he walked. Now, Jesus, when we think about his walk, he genuinely cared about people. He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. When he saw a need, he filled that need, and he did so with compassion and with love. And when he saw that need, he couldn't help but to serve them. Remember what James said in James chapter 2 and verse 14? He said, What does a prophet, my brethren, if someone says that he has faith but he doesn't have works? Can that faith save him? And then four verses later, he says that someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Now in the text, when you read it, obviously both people have faith. 
one person has a faith without works, and the other person shows his faith by his works. Now, James describes them as a living faith and a dead faith. If you believe in God and there is no impact on your life, if there's no action that results from your belief, then that faith is essentially dead. But James James isn't talking about following rituals or keeping the law. What James is talking about is, is letting your faith propel you to feed the hungry, to serve the needy, to bring you, this faith brings you into a relationship with God, and, and so you do things that express the love of God. When faith is genuine, it results in good works, and we trust the Holy Spirit of God to motivate us to do those works. The love of God fills our hearts, and so we respond to those who have needs around us. You see, true faith changes you. True faith flows into works, and the two are inseparable. Remember when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples in John chapter 13? Listen to what he said next. He said in verse 15, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So let me ask you this. Is your faith more on the inside or the outside? I mean, both are good. Both are important. But, but if you just feel your faith and you don't show your faith, then you're out of balance. James is very specific here about the needs that we should be responding to, the needs of the widows, the needs of the orphans, the needs of, of food, the needs of clothing. Now let me ask you this, something for you to ponder. Where do these needs exist in your region? And what is the best way for you to help such people? This has been 10 Minutes of Truth. Like it, subscribe to it, and share it. In Jesus' name, Lord bless you.